0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fireside Chat number 265. 264. Close. Four. Not bad. I'm back. Oh, I'm Dennis Prager. And this is Otto, who, if I were a betting man, I would bet will stay in for the entire Fireside Chat. It's, his, it's actually been months since he hasn't stayed the whole time, right? Right. Where's Snoopy. Snoopy was just here. I was just petting him. Anyway, welcome. My chance to share with you some thoughts that I have and then take your questions. Well, first of all, I just came back from Denmark. I I was invited to Denmark to give a speech. I spoke. I get nervous. See, he's he's gotten me hyper now. It's really funny. It's rare that I get nervous. (laughs) It's... But when he moves, I'm thinking, bye-bye. So I was invited to Denmark to give a speech. And actually, it was at the Danish parliament in Copenhagen. It was not to the parliament. I don't want to exaggerate. But a member of parliament gave us one of the beautiful rooms there. And it was the Danish Free Speech Society that brought me there. And I accepted the invitation because it was a great chance for a wonderful little vacation with my wife, to be perfectly honest, and because I wanted to support their cause and because, and this I think you'll find the most interesting of my reasons, my favorite thing in travel for the last, I would say, couple of decades, it used to be scenery I've been to 131 countries, travel has been a very important thing to me. Started at 18. I didn't miss a year except for 2020 when it was impossible to go anywhere. It used to be I went for, I traveled for great scenery, natural scenery, mountains, rivers, oceans, and man-made scenery, gorgeous cathedrals, the Taj Mahal, whatever it might be but i would say in, in the last half of my life it's been to meet people as i've often said i've said all of my life actually i love people and have contempt for humanity <laughs> because it's the truth and, and i and i want to sh- oh no now you know why i was nervous he, he left didn't you think he he was i I said i were if i were a betting man it's a good i'm not a betting man bye bye otto well at least you you got him in the beginning you know he's still living thank god anyway i uh i i really do love good people i don't love all people but i do love good people and i had a feeling that being invited by people in europe whatever country it might be, this being a Scandinavian country who, who loves freedom of speech, uh, that I would meet wonderful people. That's exactly what happened. I met wonderful people. And it was, it was just a, a joyful, truly joyful trip. So I have a theory on Western Europe, especially Scandinavians, but not only. They're very well taken care of. They, basically everything is taken care of, talking materially in their lives. And they're very secular. There's almost no religion in Scandinavia. The churches, to the extent that they still exist, are pretty empty. Young people grow up godless, as increasingly is happening here. So my theory is that Western Europeans... Are Always described especially Scandinavians as very happy The happiest if you look up happiest countries in the world you'll 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 see uh, sweden norway denmark And though finland is not strictly speaking scandinavian finland will be up there This is the general Theory on the happiest countries in the world my argument is Or my take, and I've been to these places many times. This was my third trip to Denmark, but it was the most intense because I really got to meet people and I wasn't just a tourist. I would say that those living in the welfare states, in rich welfare states, which is exactly what Scandinavia, the Scandinavian countries are, I would say they're content. I don't know if they're happy. They may be they may be it's a very complex question. Are you happy if you're honest about it? It's a very complex question in some ways. You are in some ways. You're not sometimes you are sometimes you're not But my my take and I I lived in Europe uh, for a year when I was in college Is that they are content, but I don't know how happy they are I don't think in any event that secular society produces deep happiness now there are religious societies that produce deep unhappiness. I don't. I don't think they're happy uh, in uh, in in intensely Muslim countries, for example, in Islamist society. Moderate Islam is a separate issue, but I don't, I, I'm not sure that the average Iranian is all that happy, uh, or uh, people in many uh, many other countries where you have religious law so governing people that that women can't wear what they want outdoors. So putting that aside and sticking to the the Western world, I think that we're confusing contentment with happiness. And in that sense, you know, Otto is content. Snoopy is content. All of their needs are met, but it's hard for me to say that Otto and Snoopy my two dogs, are happy. My, my wife will often comment to me, look look at how happy they are. And I will almost always respond, yeah, but they don't know it. Can you be happy if you don't know it? it? Isn't that the old song for kids, if you're happy and you don't know it, clap your hands? Well, what about if you're happy and you don't know it? <laughs> what do you do then? <laughs> uh, so... It's hard for me to know I'd like to know the alcoholism rates in, in Scandinavia. I'd like to know depression rates in Scandinavia. I don't know these things, but I, I only raise this to make a distinction between contentment and happiness. They're not the same thing, by the way, you can be not content and happy. I have a chapter on that. In fact, the purpose of life is not to be content. Uh, uh, I think you should pursue happiness. I don't think you should necessarily pursue contentment. Am I content? I'm not content. Uh, I wish I had written all five volumes of my Bible commentary. I'm only up to volume four. I know that may sound silly, but it's not silly. I'm not content that I haven't finished. I mean, uh, there are a whole host of things that, that... I'm not content with, but I'm I'm a happy person. The trick in life is not to allow your happiness to depend on your contentment. But we have the opposite case in in Scandinavia, perhaps, where uh, they really have dissociated happiness and contentment, or they think they're happy and they're really just content. I don't have answers to these questions, but I did want to make that distinction clear, and I feel it whenever I am in Western Europe. If you don't have some transcendent meaning to your life, then you can really only be content. Then real happiness is not available to you. That is my that is my take on life. So, you know, they're free schooling and free health care and, and free. Uh, You you name it. Everything is free But is there an ultimate meaning to life that no in a secular world there isn't You're here for a blink of an eye. That's how long life is you die and then you're extinct forever (laughs) That's cheerful (laughs) All right, anyway That was that was something I wanted to share and I did meet um, a number of terrific people, including a 30-year-old woman who was a bundle of energetic joy, intelligence. And my wife and I just really fell in love with her. So much so that on the spot, I just said, come to LA and live with us for as long as you want. Which, by the way, my record for doing that, I, that was not my quick record in doing that. There was a German young man in, in my ha- in this room, whom I met because he was playing uh, some games with my, uh, with my stepson. They're about the same age, middle, mid, mid 20s. And he was brought as an au pair right up the street where I live. But the people who brought him hated him. Which is hilarious like a sitcom because he was conservative and the last thing these folks These progressives up the block. I don't know the family I'm just telling you what he told me the last thing they expected was that a German young person is a conservative (laughs) They're, They're very very rare my friends. They're like unicorns anyway, he was telling me this story uh, while seated in here again I'd never met him and within I would say within 30 minutes I said come live with us since you hate the oh, the people who brought you as an au pair just live with us and he stayed with us for I think six months <laughs> and he was a total joy it, it, it worked out so I I have I for whatever reason I have very great trust in my instincts and if I if I think well of somebody, and I don't think well that quickly, I don't make super quick judgments on most people. But when I do, bad or good, I trust it, and that's how I felt about this young woman in in Denmark. So just yesterday, uh, we we uh, absolutely uh, established she'll visit and stay here for a week uh, in a few months, and uh, I think I may I may have her on the fireside chat. I think you folks would get a big kick out of it you want to talk being about being alone, try being a 30 year old conservative in Denmark, a Scandinavian country. Now they exist. She was part of this group. And, and, but uh, that's exactly what I'm going to ask her. How lonely are you? And if she's lonely, it is not because of her personality. She's, she bubbles over uh, with enthusiasm. So, it was a joy meeting her. She was not the only person who was a joy meeting the two, uh, women who took care of my wife and me from the beginning, from when we arrived at the airport, uh, the, they were a truly, uh, two terrific women whom we had. They took us to a, a typical Danish restaurant. And folks, if you like fish, Denmark is heaven. But it's, it's not fish as we know it exactly. It's more, I think, I don't know, pickled is the right word, but prepared in a certain way. Anyway, it was not my favorite restaurant, but it was fun to be with those two women. By the way, you'll also find, I think, worthy of note, given shows the impact of the fireside chat. We flew from L.A. to Warsaw to Copenhagen on the Polish airline lot, which was a really great airline for for those of you who fly to Europe. Just know that. I give it a thumbs up. So we flew to Warsaw. We were at Warsaw Airport for like 90 minutes maybe. And sure enough, a, a pilot comes over to me, young guy, and asks for a selfie. Polish pilot. This, uh, this is... Is a wonderful feeling because I, I believe that everything I talk about here uh, is universal. I don't know what is just American. The subject may come from America, but the meaning is universal. That's how I feel about my rational Bible. It's universal. In, 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 and everything I do, I, it, I believe it has to apply to everyone or, or what, what is the point of it? So th- that was uh, that was the g- nice nice trip there. One another thought on my mind before I go to your questions. In new was it was in New Hampshire, yep. the beauty contest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Miss America, the Miss America pageant, has local a lot of local pageants first until they select each representative from a state so first it's a little region and it's a bigger region and then finally for the whole state the con the competition and in a in a small regional contest for miss america in new hampshire a transgender female won. the individual if you see the picture uh does not look at all like the other contestants all of whom are young females person does not look like a young female does not look like a female is a very bulky male who is dressed as a female essentially this is not to knock the person it's not my business my business is to say that it was not right to choose this person as the Miss New Hampshire candidate I don't think the person will be chosen Miss New Hampshire Uh, But you never know. It was a woke decision and it wasn't fair to the girls because it was not made on the basis of who is the best candidate among the females here. It was made on the basis of what statement can we make? So that's just not fair to the other girls. The whole the whole trans issue is not fair to girls when and there's any of these competitions, especially in sports where you have a physical biological male competing against young women and when it was announced that this individual won all the girls cheered and smiled as if it was the happiest night of their life and it wasn't the happiest night of their life they could applaud if it was another girl because that's that's the american way you applaud the winner But you think that the person was chosen fairly. This was the girl they thought would best represent this part of New Hampshire going to the Miss New Hampshire contest. But this individual wasn't chosen for the the best girl. I think there's a lot at work here, aside from the woke. I think there's a lot else going on here the Miss America pageant dropped the swimsuit competition after like 90 years or 80 years, just about a year, or, 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 no, about, just about two years ago, three years ago. And I wrote, a, I wrote a column on it. I hadn't watched the Miss America competition since I was a kid. So this is not exactly a loss in my own life, but I thought it was a bad decision. Here's the interesting thing. They say they don't want women to be depicted uh, as as sexualized objects Hmm, how interesting So you can have in America today The same people who object to the Miss America swimsuit competition Now now dropped Are the same people overwhelmingly Who are for drag queen story hours for five-year-olds This is a classic example of the upside down nature of the chaos produced by progressives. They are perfectly happy to sexualize children, but they're they're very protective of sexualizing adults. Right? Isn't that interesting? We can't have women in a swimsuit. Oh, that's, that's a scandal. Because, after all, who sees women in sexual ways except for the half of the world's population that's heterosexual male? And, and by the way, and, and many females as well. But what's wrong with that? What was wrong? My parents were very religious people. They watched the Miss America contest every year. They loved the swimsuit competition. They didn't think it violated God's will. They didn't find it offensive. They thought it was it was a live wire part of of life anyway i grew up in a religious home that uh that was totally at peace with talking about sex it's part of the reason i can and i do a male female hour every week on my radio show okay some thoughts on the passing scene as they say how are we doing did i talk a really long time well, we're about twenty minutes. So- okay we have some time for at least a question the banging you hear in the background is the nudnik dog, Otto. Nobody's in there, you know? We have a black box. It went away. I know it went away. Oh, by the way, hey, hey, hey. I am in the room with the employee of the year of PragerU. Happened last night. And it is our dear Megan Burkhardt congratulations that's a big deal because they're all terrific people and it's over a hundred of them Mm -hmm. yeah and you didn't you didn't expect it did you no i wasn't expecting it and your fiance was there yeah he was i'm very happy for you both and you deserve it that was great all right here we go hi i'm caleb a 21 year old lost from florida I was wondering, what are the three most influential biographies that you have read? So the three most influential biographies that I've read. First, let me tell you all, including Caleb, the easiest and most interesting and I think best way to study history, and I think history is the most important subject, is through biographies see big biographies let's say you know europe in the 20th century okay there's too much there's too much you you can't grasp what's happened when you're talking about so many countries in such a big span of time but if you just read about one figure let's say churchill you would really know world war ii well if you just read a biography of churchill and, I've, and I read uh, Andrew Roberts' great biography of Churchill. But anyway, off the top of my head, it, the, the, bio, the, the biography that most affected me is listed on the 10 books that most influenced me. That's how big it is. It's the only biography on the list. It's up at DennisPrager.com. The 10 books that most affected me. And I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a biography of Mao Zedong, the, the greatest mass murderer in human history, uh, the, the head of Communist China, the founder of Communist China, which was founded in 1948. And it's a very big book. I found it riveting. It took me months to read. <laughs> Uh, a, I don't read that fast, if that's a consolation to some of you. And B, I have a lot of other things to do, but I read every word and I underlined like crazy. The book was revelatory. And I, can't, I think it's called Mao Mao the, the Secret Life, but I don't recall. It's on it's on prager.com It's a biography of Mao. That, that had a big effect on me. And I'll tell you why, because it brings me to another one, a biography of Hitler, the second biggest mass murderer in history. Oh no, Stalin was second, Hitler's third. And I've read biographies of Stalin too. I read biographies of evil men, because I want to understand evil. I also love biographies of good men, like Wilberforce. The uh, the Englishman who led the anti slavery movement, Eric Metaxas's excellent biography of Wilbur Wilberforce, I believe that was his first name. So the Alan Bullock biography of Hitler came out many many years ago and had a big big impact on me. So did, so did John Toland's biography of Hitler. So this is all the top off the top of my head, and I had a third one. Oh yes, biography of Moses, located in the second, third, and fourth, and fifth books of the Bible. He is is the most developed character, most written about one in, um, in the Torah, the first five books. And it's quite a sojourn from his birth to his death. And he dies at the very end of Deuteronomy. My commentary on Deuteronomy has just come out. They're all called the Rational Bible. And this is very touching. You know who buries Moses when he dies? It's very touching. God. There was no one with him. And it just says, and he buried Moses. Moses. But there was no one there, so that he can only be God. It's moving. Okay. All right, Jenny, 27, Columbus, Ohio. Hello, Mr. Prager. I struggle with severe depression, and I often ask myself, what is the point of life? I am religious, and since you are also religious, I will ask you, what is the point to life? Is it to enjoy God's creation? Is it to serve others? Is it simply to exist? Thank you. I am asked so often, what is the purpose of life? And it's odd that I don't think about that except when I'm asked the question. But I was asked the question, I'll never forget, many years ago I was invited by, the, by this international group called the Young Presidents Organization. It's a terrific group. And you have to be under 35, I believe it is, and the head of your own business, and the business has to be of a certain size. So you're sort of president of a business. Anyway, they invited me to Washington, D.C. to be on a panel with a Catholic priest and a Protestant minister. And obviously I was the Jew, although I'm not a rabbi, but I sort of qualified because of my books on Judaism. And... They said, we're going to ask you questions, shotgun style. You won't know the, the questions in advance, which is fine with me. Question number one, what is the purpose of life? Or why did God create man? I don't remember. It was one of those two. Okay. And, and the, the, so the priest and the minister gave answers that most of my Christian friends would answer to that question, to glorify God that's a very beautiful answer. It's a very Christian answer. And here I am, the you know, the odd man out as a Jew. And I really sort of played the role of odd man out. And I said, after listening to the beautiful statements of the priest and the minister, I may really disappoint you, but I actually think that God created us to enjoy life. And I still basically think that. Why would he make the world if it wasn't to enjoy it? Uh, It it puzzles me that people would find that an odd answer. Now, enjoy doesn't mean just having fun. If all you do is have fun, it's it's an empty life. But to enjoy life in the deepest sense, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These, These were the great words of the great founders of the United States in the, in the declaration of independence, the pursuit of happiness is enjoy life, right? If you're, if you are, what is the word you, you struggle with severe depression. It's very hard for you to enjoy life. My heart breaks for you. It really does. That doesn't mean though, that you are bereft of, of purpose in life to the extent possible if you can in some way or some ways overcome this depression, that doesn't mean that you will be happy-go-lucky, but if you can, you can be an inspiration to others on what to do if you are severely depressed to yet have some joy in life. That's why I don't think there is one answer for everybody on what is the purpose of life. For some, it's to take care of others. For others, it's to find a, a cure for an illness. For others, it's to raise children. For, for others, it, it's to study insects. Thank God there, there are an almost infinite number of answers to that. That's why I, I never wrestle with the question. Uh, as much as people ask me are wrestling with the question. I can tell you... Much better if you were to ask me, what are we supposed to do with our life? That's different from what is the purpose of life. And we're supposed to increase good in the world and decrease evil in the world. That I do believe. That's different. I am consumed with the question, what does God want from me? I am not consumed with the question, what do I want from God? I'm not only not consumed, I almost never think about it. I do think, what does God want from me? And it's a good, it's, it's a good answer. It's a good thing to be, to be preoccupied with. You will lead a better life that way. But if you're, again, you're, you're asking from the standpoint of someone with severe depression, I know somebody my I love very much, not in my immediate family, but in my extended family. and he has to he has to work to get out of bed every day, and he does to his great credit and and he he, he tries to put on a happy face, which I think you do have to try. but that's that's a very big challenge in life to be cursed with that so I don't have a brilliant answer except to say that I I deeply sympathize with your with your issue maybe with medications and 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 with God and with friends and, and with hobbies and with music, I don't know, whatever can work, I think obviously you should try. I'm sure you have, so I don't know if I'm bringing anything new to your life. I have answers on happiness for everybody except the chronically, physiologically depressed. I admit it. I, I, can't, uh, I can't tell you what to do. I am, I'm sure you've tried it, and I hope you continue to. But since you asked it in the generic, what is the point to life? Well, the truth is, if there is no God, there is no point to life. That we have to be, I mean, every atheist philosopher acknowledges that. If there is no God, there is no point to life. We're just a a passing shadow in, in the life of the universe. We're a nanosecond and that's it Uh, you know we go from oblivion to oblivion with this little tiny tiny time of life in the middle i think that people who don't believe in god should at least be honest enough to know the consequences of not believing in god that's why my life has been devoted to explaining the consequences of secularism Which we'll revisit another time. Good to be back. Good to be with you. See you next week. I'm Dennis Prager. Thank you for watching this video. To help keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax deductible donation.